0: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
1: Guests appear on the Superbook Sports phone line. Superbook Sports, now open with better odds and favorable prices with Jason and John, live from the Tops Barbecue Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN.
0: Paris Oglesby is a former Clemson sharpshooter, basketballist for a field of 68, ESPN, many others, is at the Big East tournament yesterday, and he's nice enough to join us now. T.O., what's the word, man?
1: Man, I'm, I'm trying to piece together some hours of sleep. I think that's the big thing right now. Mark's madness, baby, and it's madness for a whole lot of different reasons. But I uh, did the uh, Big East last night, and then we had our show from midnight to 1, and then I had to catch a 6 a.m. out of JFK to get up to Vermont because I'm doing Vermont and UMass Lowell. For the America East Conference Championship tomorrow on ESPN, so there's a lot going on. I'm excited. I haven't slept, but that's not important right now. That's
0: right, man. Get that later. You're grinding right now. This is grind time. So, look, I, I, I asked Rob, and I'll just I'll, I'll ask you because I I saw this going on on Twitter, and, and and maybe you can help me understand this. But if UConn loses tonight to 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 Marquette, or if they lose in the Big East Championship game. Will UConn fans be able to recover from the pain in time for the other less prestigious tournament, according to them? I mean, I, I you're going to have to help me understand this, this elitism when it comes, and I get that it's had a lot of great games and history and all that, but this idea that, you know, you would rather win if you're a UConn fan the Biggies Tournament Then go to an elite. I I don't understand. I
1: don't understand that choice. Help me understand it. Well, let me say this if you haven't been to a Big East tournament, the vibe in that building is certainly different. Uh, The proximity between the schools, especially in the Northeast portion of that conference, I think uh, absolutely helps out with that. Uh, It's a special tournament. It really is a special tournament. I've done the ACC, I played in the ACC tournament 15 years ago. The Big East right now is what the ACC and the SEC looked at their tournament like 20 years ago because there's still that that hatred slash loyalty slash appreciation for what the conference is to where I think there's been a little bit, when you look at the SEC or you look at the ACC, more specifically the ACC, it's become a very buttoned-up corporate kind of thing. That's not the case. Where the ACC's wine and cheese... The Big East is beer and brats, and there's a lot more passion. So that's one way to look at it. If they're going to go to the Elite Eight, uh, it's close for me too. If I was a UConn guy, it would be it would be close because you're hanging on to those bragging rights for the entire year, the calendar year. Because keep in mind, too, guys, like Big East, there's no football. Basketball is the thing. So there's a little bit different. There's a little bit difference when it comes to that, but. I'll be honest. If I'm picking between the two, making an elite eight or winning a conference championship, guys, Clemson's never won a conference championship. That's where I went. So, I, I to be honest with you, I would probably flirt with that conference championship edge my bets a little bit more that way.
0: I understand the point about <clears throat> about the Big East and the and the importance and the sentiment and 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 the history of it. And, and you're right. You bring up a good point about football. Like this, this is it for Biggie's teams and, and I respect that. But if that's the case, and if we're gonna sit here and just say that, you know and I'm just I'm just trying to like understand it. If we're just gonna say that the Big East tournament championship is more important than a run in the NCAA tournament, why not just totally secede from the NCAA and just your national championship is the Biggie's tournament?
1: There's too much money on the line.
0: I mean I'm just but it's like But 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 you you, I mean look maybe in the Big East maybe in the Big East uh, like you'll get a conference you'll you'll get you'll get a contract extension off a conference championship win and all of that but I don't know like I I and maybe it is maybe it is an exclusive thing to the Big East but I just feel like I remember second weekend runs or longer than I do you know who wins a conference
1: championship yeah I I, that was a hard I think that's uh, per person. But keep in mind, too, and my only argument to the contrary would be you play 20 games in order to get seeding for your conference tournament. So you're playing against the same teams in order to get good seeding so you can make a run in that conference tournament. That would be my only argument there. Yeah, I asked, I asked this was more of a specific to UConn question because right. is a is a massive UConn guy. To me, like what I—if I'm a head coach, do I want to get a conference championship or make an Elite Eight? It's without question, I want to make an Elite Eight, right? Because it's obviously more important to right. the people that are paying the bills, the people that are on television, all that stuff. Uh, to me, I, I want both. But that being said, if I had to pick between the two, I'd probably pick the Elite Eight.
0: Well, it, it could easily be both because the Big East is obviously, you know, it, it's a really good conference this year, and there's several teams, uh, you know, it feels like to me that could make runs. Some interesting games tonight. We're going to get around to college basketball. I wanted, I wanted to ask you about these because you were there. UConn-Marquette feels like a clash, man. Um, UConn fans seem a little skittish about this despite being the favorite. What do you make of this game tonight, Terrence?
1: How in the world they're going to be able it's big versus small. UConn is absolutely massive, whether it be on the perimeter, on the interior. Donovan Klingon comes off the bench. He's every bit of seven two. I saw him for the first time in person. He is that big. Uh, Adamas might be the strongest person on the planet, but then you look on the other side of the floor. I love Cam Jones, Memphis guy. I love Cam Jones. I think he's a terrific scorer. Omax Prosper has turned into a legitimate NBA prospect because he can step out, defend four positions in the college game. He can shoot the three. That makes him different. If, If Marquette can find a way to space everybody out and find ways to get some rim pressure, despite not having all that interior size like UConn does, they can give them problems. The only problem is, Marquette shot 20% from three yesterday in the first half. They're going to have to knock down shots. If you're going to play against a UConn team that's that big, you got to be, be able to find ways to knock down shots from the perimeter. That's where it kind of gets hairy for you, especially considering how poorly they shot the ball yesterday.
0: Yeah, we're talking to Terrence Oglesby, uh, former Clemson sharpshooter, college basketball analyst for ESPN and Field of 68 and and, and does it all. I'm, I'm lucky enough to get to work with him a little bit over there at Field of 68. Um, Tyler Hansbrough's not here, so I think we can <laughs> we, we can speak freely about North Carolina. Um, you know, and, and you mentioned it this week on the show, right, like this magical button that everybody keeps waiting uh, for North Carolina to hit. And they did in the regular season you know in uh in in you know Chapel Hill there against Virginia, but you know on a neutral site, you saw exactly what happened um when you diagnose everything that went wrong for North Carolina this season, like where do you start like what 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 didn't happen this year that did at 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 the end of last
1: season Well, the best thing I saw on Twitter. You refer to Twitter. The best thing I saw on Twitter: somebody said North Carolina went into the locker room at halftime of the national championship game last year and never came out. Yeah, like it, there's a lot to be said there. I think these guys didn't really like each other all that much. And keep in mind, this was a team last season that had a lot of flaws. Uh, this this th- they caught lightning in a bottle in the NCAA tournament. I thought uh, the preseason ranking, which was understandable, was a little lofty because. It, I thought Caleb Love shot the ball terrific, but he hadn't really shown spurts of that all season long. He turned uh, last year's NCAA tournament to, to his own personal playground. And then Armando Baycott was doing Armando Baycott things. But the fact that Brady Manik was no longer there, he was the guy that kind of got guys in line. Yep. He was a guy that had enough of a, an attitude about him. And if we were doing a show late at night, I would say it differently. But he had, he had an attitude enough about him to where he would be like, hey, guys, this isn't okay. I need you to continue to move the ball. I need you to play a little harder on defense. So what you're doing right now isn't acceptable. I think Pete Nance is a good player. I don't think he had that same sort of impact in the locker room that Brady Manic did in his lone season. So I, I people forget how good Brady Manik actually is, but more so than that, they forget what kind of impact he had on the players in that locker room because <laughs> I, I think that's what it had to do with more than the actual talent on the team because, yeah. guys, you, you know just as well as I do, the talent was there.
0: It was totally there, but I think you're right. I think we probably underestimated the impact of everything that Brady brought um, from a spirit standpoint and also just from that outside shooting standpoint, and they missed it. How do you square where Hubert Davis stands? I mean, he is now the sole proprietor and owner of the most disappointing season, arguably, in college basketball history, the only preseason number one team to not make the NCAA tournament. I know he's one of them but how do you square that if you're an administrator, if you're a booster? I mean, how do you even start with Hubert Davis?
1: Guys, I'll be honest. Whenever he got the job, I was apprehensive. Uh, Not necessarily because of anything else Then I thought Wes Miller was the guy because he brought a certain type of tenacity, brought a certain type of attitude to a program that had been sputtering uh, the last two years of Roy's tenure. And for nothing more than I think Roy had a hard time with today's kids. Hmm. And that's – you know that's kind of part of the gig right now. You have to you have to coach these guys differently, and that's that's fine. And and kids now they don't need to just be told what to do. They need to know why they're being told what to do, and I, I think that's a good thing because I think that expands their comprehension of what they're trying to accomplish. But at the same time, you have to have a coach that's willing to bend a little bit. You can't bend too much, though. I thought that Hubert was way too willing to give in to what his players were doing on the floor. Some of the things that Caleb Love did this year, some of the things that R.J. Davis did this year, uh, that is not something we're accustomed to seeing uh, from a North Carolina team. I, I, When I was in college, I played against Tyler Hansborough. I played against Wayne Ellington, Ty Lawson. Those guys were extremely talented. They were extremely fast, and they played together, and they played unselfishly. This team was selfish. This team didn't move the ball. This team dribbled the air out of whatever basketball they were using that night. And you just saw it as a result. Like, playing hard has always been a prerequisite to playing time. And that just wasn't the case for North Carolina. And I am befuddled as to why that was. If I'm a North Carolina fan, I'm a little worried because Mm. what has Hubert done to gain my trust with consistency? He made that run, but it hasn't been consistent.
0: That's a that's a line right there. Playing hard is a is a requisite to playing time. I've never heard that before, but I actually like it a lot. And I, and I don't. I mean, obviously, you know, there were some guys that were entrenched there from the run a year ago. But it it does. It feels like that was definitely taken for granted by some of those guys.
1: Yeah, it certainly was. And you know, it's a new world right now. Kids are dealing with nil. Coaches are trying to deal with nil. Like. And that, that was a, an excuse that was brought up, but, you know, NBA players aren't mm-hmm. complaining. The best players play. Yeah. Yep. So if if you're going to be a pro and you're going to get paid a little money, you're gonna, you need to act like a pro. You're not going to get paid that much money the following year. So I, I would expect some pay cuts if I'm going to be completely transparent.
0: Uh, that's coming. There's no doubt. We're talking to Terrence Oglesby, college basketball analyst for Field of 68 ESPN. Uh, he is blowing up a rising star in the world of college basketball media. Do want to get your thoughts here locally on Memphis. They take on UCF a little little later today. They're a four-and-a-half-point favorite, did take the last meeting in Memphis. Um I'm not so much interested in, in, in this game, but what you think of the job Penny has done with Kendrick Davis and DeAndre Williams. They seem to be firmly in at this point. Even if they lose to UCF, it's just a quad two loss on a neutral floor. It feels like no matter what happens, they are in. What's your assessment of the job Penny has done? Should Memphis fans be satisfied? What do you make of it?
1: I think they should be happy. I mean, it's a team that – I mean, come on, John, 23-8, and eight. In conference, you're 13-5 and with a couple of losses that you you maybe shouldn't have had. But at the same time, like, gosh, Kendrick Davis has been really good. There's a process to all this stuff. Like, I know Jeff Goodman came on the show the other day and questioned whether Penny's a guy. I thought that was crazy. Uh, Penny has done a good job, but people also need to realize, like, Penny coaching middle school ball and Penny coaching AAU ball and Penny coaching high school ball, this is a different beast. This isn't the same thing. Like, it's a lot more complex. Uh, if you don't believe it's complex in college basketball, go talk to a freshman who's about four months in. His head's about to explode. So there, there's a lot happening. You have to figure out some different ways to beat teams that you're similar in talent to. And then you, I think the biggest, most important part of this thing for Penny is, is what kind of players do I want to be able to coach during my time at Memphis. And I think last year was a bit of a failed experiment with some guys. They still made the NCAA tournament, but it was a bit of a failed experiment with some certain players. This year, he gets some older players. He figures out, hey, this works a little bit. I, I, I can I can get an older transfer point guard, and he can still be really good for me. I can get DeAndre Williams, who I think is John Martin's age, but I'm going to throw him in the lineup. Yep. So it's like one of these things where he has to figure out who he is as a coach still. I know he's a few seasons in, but there's, there's definitely some trial and error there. And, guys, if you look at their, how they've been over the last five seasons, they've continuously got better from year to year. Even though their record's right in that 20 to 23 range, their metrics have improved, their offense has gotten better. In this season, they're exceptionally more balanced. So I like what Penny's done. I like this Memphis team. And old teams win. I think that's one thing that that has been a pretty consistent thing uh, in college basketball, and man, they're not just old. Uh, I mean, every single one of them can rent cars. Yeah, no, it's
0: true, and and that's and that's you know becoming more and more prevalent in college basketball, generally right. speaking. But it's also easier to stomach. Uh, quote, unquote, learning on the job while you're also going to the NCAA tournament. And I do think that is a key component of it. I think there would be less of an appetite for it if it was resulting in 14 win seasons like Jeff Goodman tries to convey is happening. But it's not, right? Like these are 20-plus win seasons that are ending in tournament runs. And I think that that all taken into consideration, you have to say, is definitely good enough. Let me ask you about Houston real quick. Tyler Hansborough is definitely skeptical about them. How do you feel about Houston in terms of how they're built for a – I mean, look, if you're a one seed, you're expected to be in the Final Four. I know that's not the way it works, but you're supposed to be one of the four best teams. Are they constructed in a way that will end with them being there uh, in Houston at home?
1: It doesn't make sense why they wouldn't be. I I think that's – they're so tough, and there's not a team in all of college basketball that controls their controllables quite like Houston. It looks like it hurts to play them. Samson's done just a terrific job of installing his kind of guys in there. They're tough. They're physical. They rebound like crazy. And if you look at recent metrics within the past 15, 20 years, national championship teams are typically in the top 25 in both offense and defense. Houston is number five on offense and number five on defense. And here's a couple of extra things. They have Marcus Sasser, who's a shot creator at the end of the clock. And once you get to the NCAA tournament, everybody knows what everybody's wanting. You have to have somebody that can create something. They have another guy who can do it, too. Jarris Walker, who's 6'8", 245 pounds, doesn't look like he's 18 years old. But he's a guy who can take over a game as well. Uh, Physically, this team is just as impressive as they've always been. And they play a style with a certain physicality that because the referee swallowed their whistles a little bit in the NCAA tournament, you guys know that just as well as I do, physicality works. Houston has scoring. They have crunch time scoring. They have talent in Jairus Walker, who's going to be a lottery pick, a surefire lottery pick, and they have the physicality to embrace whatever team they're going to play against. Guys, they've lost two games by a combined, what, seven points? Yep. They're 29-2. What are we talking about? It. I love Tyler. I'm not sure how many uh, Houston games he's really locked into. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah no I, I hear you and it's the same argument you used to hear back in the day about cal's memphis teams right oh they aren't battle tested oh they play in a weak league yada 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 every every year you looked up and they were in the elite eight or you know in the championship game so uh if you have the if you have the dna it doesn't matter what league you play in um and, and clearly they do hey man this was uh this was probably the fastest 19 minutes of my life man you're good at this i appreciate the time as always tio.
1: Hey, absolutely, guys! Thank you so much for having me. I I got I, I lived in Memphis for a little bit. I got to get back out there. Did you really? I did. I lived in Bartlett when I was young, young. I think I was in elementary school. We spent a couple of years in Bartlett.
0: What? Why am I just now hearing about this for the first time?
1: <laughs> Is it like you were just holding this from me? No, I, no. I just I thought I told you. I must not have told you. Me and Chris Walker were classmates. Chris ended up going to Christian Brothers and then playing football at Tennessee.
0: No way.
1: Yeah, so how, there you have it. How
0: about and then and then and then where did you end up growing up? It was in, it was on the other side of the state, right? It was on
1: the yeah, it was on the other side of the state. I ended up uh, going to Bradley Central High School, close to Chattanooga.
0: Gotcha. How about that? Uh, a little time in Bartlett for T. We're going to, have to start calling you Bartlett T
1: O. i love it man awesome i'm not claiming bartlett i'm not claiming bartlett i can't do it you're only there for about 10 months you can't claim bartlett that's fair at the same time that's what we
0: do in memphis though man if you like spend any time here if you like pass through you know what i mean we claim you as a citizen so uh it's it's an honorary thing TL, appreciate. i I was
1: about i was about to take citizenship i went down to beale street and had gumbo fries one time i was ready to jump in i was ready to move Attaboy, a boy, Add a boy.
0: Thanks to appreciate it, man. Enjoy the games this weekend. All right, thank you guys. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You better a here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.